thank you for that. I'm uh, sorry to hear that Leah will be leaving. We'll miss you, Leah. Thank you for presenting music and playing for the. She's going back to college. Yeah. Yeah, Pensacola. Yeah. And uh, you can write her there. There's an email, you have a little box. You can send her emails. Uh, but I'm glad the other four will be here to present that next Sunday morning. So we're looking forward to that. Good. Okay, they didn't say anything. All right. I have a couple of, uh, I have a handout here. If I can have some of our ushers, men, you could come and take one, uh, take these, pass one out to each uh, adult, if you would. If we have enough, we can give them out to the children as well. But let's start with one for each adult. And to help you follow along, I have the words that you're going to be missing are going to be up on the screen here. As we talk about the art of listening, take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's our text for today, tonight, and we're specifically considering that phrase let every man be swift to hear. Listening is really an art, and frankly, it's a lost, or we're losing the art of listening to each other. And our theme this year is to love our neighbor. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Everybody's different, I know, but I am really grateful when somebody hears me out. When I have something I want to say to somebody, there's a burden on my heart, or maybe there's a joy I want to share, or I have a, a point of friction with a family member or a church member, and I want to tell them my concerns, I want to be heard. And if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, that means when they have something on their heart, when they have a concern, when there's some friction between us, I need to be willing to listen to them as well. So in view of our theme, I want you to see this lesson as one way that you're going to learn to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, the man, was test testing Jesus said, who is my neighbor? And basically your neighbor is anybody that God brings across your path to minister to. So it could be a literal neighbor, could be a family member, could be a co-worker, could just be someone you meet, but listening as an art. We're going to go over three sections tonight. One is the reason that listening is important, some wrong ideas that we often have about why we listen and how we listen, and then talk about how we can be ready and eager to listen. So let's pray, and then we will uh, get into this lesson. Uh, did we have enough handouts for all the adults? We did, okay, good. Hopefully you brought a pen. I know many of you take notes regularly because I see you writing down. Um, if we need some pens, we got some. Billy? He's, yeah, bring a whole cup in here. Okay. If you need a pen, Raise your hand. I'm going to have Billy hand you one. Don't be, don't be shy. Raise your hand. I know some of you need pens. Raise your hand. Good. While he's giving you this, I'll tell you the first uh, true story, event that happened in my life that helped me understand the importance of listening. When I was in Mongolia first learning the Mongolian language, it took 100% of my mental energy to concentrate on what was being said, and then some. So oftentimes in a conversation, my Mongolian friend would be talking, 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 talking. My mind is just struggling to keep up, figure out what they're saying. And they take a breath. And my mind's still trying to figure out what they said and then start to figure out in Mongolian how I want to respond. And before I can start talking, they start talking again. 
So I did a lot of listening. And I learned that a lot of times you can get people to tell you things they never intended to tell you if you just listen long enough. If you'll be sweet and kind, respond appropriately, but just listen, you can learn all kinds of information, even things that they didn't intend to tell you. Yogi Berra is, Berra is, uh, is famous for his sayings. I included one in your sheet there. It was impossible to get a conversation going. Everybody was talking too much. The point there is, if we aren't hearing each other, we're not really having a conversation. All we're doing is talking. We're not really having a conversation. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into the reasons that listening is important. Father, thank you. Thank you for this evening. I thank you for the folks that have come out on a dark night. It's a wet outside, it's cold, and yet they see the importance of being here. There's other places they could be, other things they could be doing, and they've prioritized worshiping you and studying your word. I thank you for that. And I pray that you bless each one that has come and, and bless them with safety as they travel home. I know some have prioritized watching from home. They're not able to meet with us in person, but they are watching. And I thank you that they have prioritized setting aside this time to be a part of this service. Make us better listeners. Make us more like Jesus, who was able to hear all kinds of people, able to meet needs because he knew what the problems were. And I ask that you would make us swift to hear slow to speak, slow to wrath. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you realize that conversation is a part of human existence? That's the first blank there, human existence. When Adam and Eve were living in perfection in the garden, what did God do in the evenings? He came and he walked with them. My guess is he talked with them. There was something to be said. That's just part of human existence. In fact, do you remember what God said before he made man and woman? He said, let us make man in our own image. Who is God talking to there? Talking to, yeah, the Holy Spirit, God the Son. The three members of the Trinity have conversation even before human beings were created. So human conversation is based on God having conversation within the three persons of the Godhead. So conversation is part of human existence. If you've ever lived in a country where you didn't speak the language, and for whatever reason you ended up isolated away from all of your language speakers, you realize how lonely that can be. For about a week I spent, uh, when I first got to Mongolia, my family hadn't arrived yet, so I spent about a week with Budin and, and his family, and uh, they didn't speak any English, and I didn't speak any Mongolian. There wasn't a whole lot to say. They put a plate of food in front of me. I'd eat it, smile, thank you. You know, I had no idea. If conversation is part of human existence, and I'm concerned that our technology is actually getting in the way of us having serious conversations. One of you was telling me recently you were at a restaurant having a meal with your family, and you looked across the way and at a table nearby. There was another family of four, and all four of them were looking at their smartphones. Instead of setting them down and talking to each other. Now, smartphones can be wonderful, texting people, emailing, calling. I'm not saying never use them, they're evil. But I would encourage you when other people are around you in the same physical location, whether it's at home or at work, and you don't need to be attached to your cell phone, put your cell phone away. Put it in a pocket, put it in a purse, uh, put it on the table, face down, and focus on the people that are right there with you. Because conversation is a part of human existence. 
And second, listening is becoming an antiquated exercise. It's something we, we sort of do as if, you know, we actually talked to someone the other day. Instead of emailing or phone call or text, we actually have a conversation with people. Let me ask you this question. This is a rhetorical question. I don't need an answer. But this past week, how much time would you say you've spent in meaningful conversation with someone whom you love? Not on the phone, although there's nothing wrong with that again. Not texting back and forth, not emailing, but just having a conversation with someone you love. It doesn't have to be about anything earth-shattering, but it's a meaningful conversation to you. You know, it's easy, we go, not we, not my family, but it's easy for an American to go home, turn on the television, turn on the computer, grab a tablet, and just immediately immerse ourselves into whatever will distract us, or whatever our interest is, instead of having conversations with each other. Third, and I'm just going to skip over that book, you can look it up later, um, Alone Together, it's an interesting book about how the technology is making it harder to talk to each other. Did you ever notice that listening to people gives them joy? I had a third, uh, fourth grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Turner, and she had told us pretty much early in the year, she said, listen, if you will listen to me when it's my turn to talk, I'll listen to you when it's your turn to talk. And so at lunch or at a, a recess when we weren't going through schoolwork, we were welcome to walk up to her desk and tell her about what we ate for dinner the night before. And she would act like that was the most important thing to her. Boy, I, I really enjoyed her class. Not because the schoolwork was any different than the schoolwork I'd done before, but simply because I had a teacher who I know listened to me. And I was in fourth grade. I had nothing important to say. <laughs> but listening brings people joy. Is there anyone this last week who would say, you know, I so enjoyed talking with your name? That was such a help to me. Listening brings people joy. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says a soft answer turns away wrath. And frankly, I think the softest answer we can give to some people sometimes is simply to listen to them. Have you ever know, noticed that listening to people can diffuse their anger? Every once in a while, every great once in a while, I would get a call from an angry parent. When I was a principal, i get a call from an angry parent. And I just determined if the parent was angry on Monday, I should take their call on Monday. Because if I didn't take their call on Monday, they'd just be angry on Tuesday. And I don't know about you, the longer I'm angry, the more intense it becomes. So I just made it a habit when my secretary called and said, so-and-so is on the phone and I think they're angry. I'd say, okay, if I, if I had time at that moment, I'd say, I'll take it. Or if I didn't, I'd write it down and the next phone call I would make would be to that angry parent. And most of the time, I just listen. I see and that happened, and, and can you tell me more about this, or what happened there, what did your child tell you? And often in five or 10 minutes of just listening to them, and listening to their complaint, and empathizing with them, they would have calmed down, and then we could have a serious discussion about the situation. Sometimes they've been told lies by their children. Have you noticed that children lie to their parents? <laughs> and so we could correct that. But if I would have started out by saying, now listen, you don't know the whole story. Let me tell you what happened the other day. That never went over well. Listening can diffuse anger. If your spouse comes home angry, it may be you just need to sit down, put a cup of coffee in front of them, decaffeinated, and then ask, <laughs> what has made you angry? 
and just listen. And five or ten minutes of listening may diffuse the situation entirely. If you're a husband and you come home and your wife is angry, and especially if you have little kids at home and your wife is angry, that's the number one question. What happened today? What made you angry? What has your frustrations been? And then just listen. Now, I, I can tell you, I've done that. And my wife is very gracious. She explains to me what happens. And about 30 seconds in, I'm angry. And I'm going to go get those kids. <laughs> no, you pray. Ask the Lord to give you grace. Because let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Diffuses anger. Uh, listening also builds something. <clears throat> listening builds understanding. Listening builds understanding. Write down next to this line, if you would, 1 Kings 3, verse 9. We're not going to go there tonight, but 1 Kings 3, 9. You'll see how Solomon listened when he came to understand what the real problem was. When we were in Mongolia, we had uh, some kids. We, well, we had kids, yeah. We had kids in Mongolia, and there were some kids who lived a few buildings over, and it was safe for our kids to travel back and forth between the buildings. So from time to time, we'd say to our older children, who were at that time 9, 10 years old, we'd say, hey, yeah, you can go over to the uh, other missionary's house. The other missionary family was called the Springers. We'd say, you can go over to the Springers' house and play. And sometimes they play outside, and sometimes they play inside. But I knew the Springers. I had great confidence in their and how they raised their children, and I was very comfortable with my children going over there. So it was odd one day when I said to our two oldest, hey, you can go over and play at the Springers. And about 30 or 40 minutes later, only one of them comes back. And I said to the one who came back, where's your sister? She said, she's over at the Springer's playing. I said, well, why are you here? She said, well, the Springer's told me I can't play at their house. Now, when your child tells you that as a parent, I don't know about you, I, I got the hair on the back of my head next to them, right? I'm mad. Why are they not letting, they'll let one daughter play there. What, what's wrong with this daughter? But again, children lie to their parents. <laughs> So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go over. I had time. Went over to the Springer's house. Mike was the father. I knocked on the door. He came to the door. I said, hey, Mike, let's talk about this. Some, something's going on here, and I, I need to know what's happening. And you know what? He told me what was happening. And it gave me a great opportunity to deal with my daughter on some issues. Because she hadn't told me. The, she hadn't lied to me. That was true. She was not allowed to play at the house. But she hadn't told me the whole story. And Mike was gracious, he was kind, he explained to me what he was trying to accomplish with his children and why my daughter wasn't allowed to play there while the other one was, and we worked through it. But if I would have went over there angry and started making accusations and started asking harsh questions instead of just listening. But not only when, when you're upset or when you have an offense and you're trying to deal with it, should you listen. Just listening to people all the time will... will open all kinds of doors to understanding. I shared yesterday at the gospel training that there was a family that my wife and I had been working with for about six months. Almost weekly, I would go over to their home and we'd share the gospel with them. My wife often saw, the wife of the family uh, uh, often saw her, so she was working with her. But we weren't seeming to get anywhere. I mean, you share the gospel and people smile and they nod their head, but the wife came over to our house one day. Christy was there. The three of us were just chatting. And they were going through some difficult times in their life. There were some problems. And the wife said to us, she said, we feel like shepherdless sheep. Now, these folks had been, been raising sheep in the countryside before they came to the city. So for them, it was an 
apt illustration. We feel like they weren't making a biblical reference, in other words. They were making an allusion to their own lives. We feel like shepherdless sheep. Light bulb went on my head. Who is the good shepherd? Jesus. John 10. So the next time I went over, I shared with them the good shepherd, Jesus, from John chapter 10. I would have never known that that was the apt illustration that was the key to unlocking their heart if we hadn't had a relationship with the wife that allowed us to listen and allowed her to be free to share things. So listening builds understanding. Finally, reasons that listening is important. Listening expresses love. I can, well, maybe not guarantee. Some of you probably didn't. But probably when you were dating your spouse, you did a lot of listening. You wanted to learn what your girlfriend, your boyfriend was like. You wanted to hear more about them. But somehow we get married. We decide we know everything there is to know about our spouse that's important. And they don't need to listen. We don't need to listen anymore. Listening expresses love. One man said the first duty of love is to listen. So listening expresses love. I remind myself of this sometimes because not everyone is concise in the way they express themselves. And oftentimes, in a minute or two, I can tell you where the conversation is headed. I even can tell you what the advice, advice I'm going to give you. And they take another four or five minutes to finish their, converse, their part of the conversation. And what I want to do as a pastor is break in. Forgive me. Don't, don't, don't think about this when you're talking to me. But I want to break in in the middle and say, listen, I know what your problem is. I don't need to hear any more. Now you listen to me. But what's the first duty of love? To listen. Maybe what they have to say is not crucial to my understanding. Maybe it isn't even important for me to hear because I need that information in order to give them advice or to counsel them. But I can listen because I love them. You can listen to your children because you love them. You can listen to that coworker because you love your coworker. Not necessarily out of, out of some warm, fuzzy feelings. Your coworker may be an irritant to you, but because we're called to love our neighbor. And that's why I've chosen to share this lesson, because our theme is loving our neighbor. And one of the great ways we love our neighbor is simply by listening to our neighbor, listening to our spouse, listening to our children, listening to other family members. <coughs> Now, let's deal with some wrong ideas about listening. You know, many of us aren't really listening. What we're doing is we're simply waiting to speak. Now, how do you know whether you're truly listening or whether you're just merely waiting to speak? What are you thinking about when the other person is talking? If you're thinking about, if you're lining up all your arguments and uh, the logical progression of what you're about to say, you're not really listening to the other person. You're merely waiting for your turn to speak. If that person can't, and this is what I remind myself of, is people are not always concise and they're expressing a lot. And I think, boy, is all of this really necessary? I don't know what's all necessary. As I mentioned, sometimes if I'll give someone long enough, the truth will come out. Not the truth, excuse me. The real problem will come out. The real symptom, the real hurt, the real pain will come out. It doesn't come out in the first sentence or two. But if I will truly listen and not merely wait to speak, then I'll hear more. There's a Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 21, 28 that says, The man that heareth speaketh constantly. Well, how can you hear and speak constantly? 
The point of that proverb is that you can't speak correctly until you've heard the other person. So don't merely wait to listen. Excuse me, don't merely wait to speak. Take time to truly listen. Now here's the second wrong idea about listening. And most often this one happens with our, with our uh, uh, spouses, with uh, peers, with our children. Sometimes we're not even really listening. We're just looking for slips of the tongue that we can use as attack vectors. We're listening for them to say something that we can jump. See, you're wrong right there. I told you, you can't think that way or you can't say that. Or We're not really listening. We're waiting to jump on something that they're that they've said wrong. Uh, if you're constantly twisting, and those of you that are good with words, you can twist words. You said this. And you know that's a synonym for this. And what that really means is this. That's not what they said. You're putting words in their mouth. And very few things shut down a conversation as misconstruing what other people say. Especially when we intentionally misconstrue. Now, there are times, I honestly, I don't know. I Candidly, I don't understand what they've said. And that's where you have an appropriate question. What do you mean by that? When you say, everything I say is hurtful to you. What do you mean by that? Can you give me an example? But just to twist their words and make them say something that, that they haven't said. Here's the third one. Not a competition to prove your superior Argument or intellect. That word should be or intellect. Not We're not in a competition. The, the conversation I have with you is not a competition to see who's right. It's not a competition to show you that I'm smarter than you. Or I understand the situation better than you. And especially with your spouse, you will frustrate your spouse if you're constantly making every conversation a competition about who really understands the situation or who's smarter or who's more godly or who's more spiritual. It's not a competition. If I can use a little bit of humor here. This first came to my attention when I was a, a teacher. And I'd be sitting on lunch duty, listening to the conversation of the students with each other. And they would start arguing over graphics cards. Now, if you don't know what a graphics card is, you're not missing out on life. But they'd argue over whether NVIDIA or AMD made the better graphics card. And they would talk about frame rates per second and com computing power and flops and all kinds of stuff. They would use uh, uh, names like the Vega card or the RTX this. Or, uh, frankly, I was lost. And I felt like their biggest thing, they really didn't, how many of them were gonna go out and buy a video card that day? Zero. They were just trying to show that one of them knew more about video cards than the other guy. Now. I let those go because, frankly, it was just about video cards. And they weren't coming to blows over it. It sort of seems silly to me. But many of your conversations will be about important things. And don't treat them like a competition to show your superior intellect or that your superior knowledge. Finally, let me encourage you not to consider your conversations as a waste of time. Because listening cannot be accomplished without time. Fathers... The more children you have, each child needs some of your listening time. And the more children you have, the easier it is to feel like, I can only give this child two or three minutes because I've got five of them. Let me encourage you not to see your time listening to your children as a waste of time. Let me remind you about my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Turner, who had a classroom full of fourth graders that all wanted to talk about their parakeet 
or their dog, or what happened last night at the dinner table. A lot of unimportant conversations, but because she gave each of us time, as she could, to listen, we recognized her heart for us. And fathers, if you'll spend some time just listening to your children, not, not, no matter how young they are. Now, obviously, one or two that don't even get sentences out. I get that. But as soon as they can put sentences together, spending some time to listen to them. When they're really young, it's fun just to hear the things they think. That's great. They get to be teenagers. It's not so fun anymore. <laughs> but it's still important to listen because they're going to reveal to you how they think and what's in their heart if you'll give them time. So don't see... Listening is a waste of time. See it as an investment in someone else's life. Fathers, see it as an investment in your children's lives. Now, let me give you some requirements here. And I know I'm giving you a lot of material, but let me give you some requirements for being a good listener. The first one I mentioned this morning, and that is humility. If you're going to be a good listener, you must be humble and recognize that what the other person has to say has value. Often we cut people off in their conversations because, frankly, we don't think what they have to say has any value. We see it as just worthless, like I said, a waste of time. My time is too important to listen. That's, that's not a good spirit or an attitude to have. Second, it's going to take some sympathy. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Third, it's going to take wisdom. Wisdom. So I often, if I'm in a conversation, I don't stop and pray always, but I almost always will ask the Lord for wisdom to hear the other person and to know, to hear the other person and to know how to respond. Because I don't have wisdom. But the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. That's in James 1 also. And the fourth thing you're going to need to be a good listener. By the way, one man said, I know that you believe that you understood what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. <laughs> that oftentimes we have sentences like that, and that's where it's appropriate to say, hey, I, yeah, can you state that again? The fourth requirement for being a good listener is it takes love. We have to truly love our neighbor more than we love ourselves. Otherwise, all our conversations become about me. Have you ever met someone that no matter what you say, no matter what you do, we're going to get back to this, but the conversation always seems to go back around to them. If you tell them how hurt you were at something someone said, oh, let me tell you about the time I was hurt. If you're trying to express the grief you felt when a loved one passed away, let me tell you when my dad died. If you're trying to express how sick you've been, oh, let me tell you about the time I was sick. I, I just want to say, listen, if you want to talk about yourself, can you go over there? <laughs> I'm trying to have a conversation. We have to love ourselves, too. We have to love others more than we love ourselves if we're going to be able to have a conversation with them. So let me give you some, let me give you some uh, pointers to fulfilling this verse. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Notice that, swift to hear, slow to speak. What that means is our ears move faster than our tongue. Our ears move faster than our tongue. What that means is when I have a conversation with someone, I am more willing to listen to them than I am to speak. I'm more eager to hear what they have to say than to say what I want to say. This happened to me just today with a family member. I'm, this family member is trying to have a conversation with me, and ideas keep popping into my head about what I need to say. 
But how can I listen if I'm busy trying to figure out what I want to say? And I had to remind myself, no, no, I'm going to love this person by simply listening to them. They haven't said anything evil, nothing, there's nothing to rebuke. I, I just need to listen. So here's some ways that you're going to be swift to hear. First, let me encourage you to let your conversation partner talk. Let them talk. Don't interrupt. Don't try to dominate the conversations that you have. You might find it helpful after you've had a long conversation with someone, whether it's a coworker, or a family member, a spouse, a, a church member, a neighbor. You might find it helpful for the next couple of weeks just to think to yourself, how, as a percentage, how much did they talk and how much did I talk? And if you find that you're constantly talking 70 or 80% of the time, and the other person's only talking 20 or 30% of the time, that you just need to back up and be swift to hear and slow to speak. I once won, won over a high school student. This is back in the 90s. I was just a teacher at the time at a Christian school, and there was a young lady who was really having a hard time in, in school. She's having a hard time with her parents. She's all around having a hard time. Back in those days, we had a term for those people. We called them rebels. She was the rebel. But I don't know how it happened. I remember it was a lunch or after school, but in a public place, she came to me with some complaint, and I just listened to her. I mean, after all, just because she's a rebel doesn't mean she doesn't have a decent complaint. Maybe she has something interesting to say. I just listened. Yep. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, was very important to her. It wasn't important to me. So I just sort of filed it back in the, hmm, wonder if this will be interesting someday. After that, our relationship was very different. In fact, she went from being a rebel to being the informant. She would come and tell me what all the other rebels were about to do. <laughs> and so we could cut some things off at the pass and prevent some really awkward situations. I'd go to the other rebels and I'd say, hey, you, I know you're thinking about, we're not, no, we're not going to do that. I found out later this young lady had confided, began to confide in me because that first time she came with her complaint, I listened and I didn't tell everyone else. She just assumed that I was just going to gossip about her to everyone and that, okay, you know, just another adult not listening to me. By simply listening, and because there was nothing evil about it, I didn't need to deal with her complaint, I just had to listen, all of a sudden, she wanted to talk to me a lot. And in talking to me a lot, guess what? She revealed a lot of things about what was going on at the school in, in the rebel group. So let your conversation partner talk. Here's the second thing I want you to do. Learn to ask good questions. Learn to ask good questions. What's the background to their conversation? What is their current situation? What's their motivation in this conversation? What are their struggles? What are their strengths? Do they expect you to do anything in this circumstance? Or maybe there's something that they ought to be doing in this circumstance. Are they willing and prepared to do it? I have a whole list of questions here to ask someone rather than saying, how is your day? You know, we meet someone at work, we come home from work, uh, we, we see each other at church, how are you doing, or how is your day? And almost always the answer is fine, which is an acronym for frustrated in nearly everything. <laughs> Let me just say fine. How about if we ask someone this question, what was the best part of your day? Now they've got to stop and think. Now, some of you are going to say, you know, if I ask my spouse what was the best part of his day or her day, they're going to get angry with me. Because now they've got to think. Well, part of being a good conversationalist is answering people's questions. 
thoughtfully. What was the best part of your day? What surprised you the most? Um, what made you laugh today? What frustrated you today? What are you most grateful about your day? Tell me about a kindness that you did for someone else just to show that you love them. Here's some questions we can ask each other that go beyond just how was your day. And often when we say how was your day, we don't even really want to hear what their day was like. We just want them to say fine and move on. Ask good questions. Don't interrupt. Few things are ruder than interrupting someone when they're trying to talk. Now, just today I was talking with someone here in the foyer and other people were sliding by and I wanted to say thank you for coming and praying for you to some of these folks. Excuse me, say something. Excuse me. I kept cutting this person off. It was KJ. He was good with it. He's okay. <laughs> But typically, I try not to interrupt. I try to focus on the person I'm having a conversation with. Because it's rude, to it's rude to express your thoughts when someone else is trying to talk. G.K. Chesterton said, He who has impatience to interrupt the words of another seldom has the patience to rationally select his own. Fair enough. Be thoughtful in your conversations. Don't try to change the story or change the subject or attempt to outdo the other person's woes. I mentioned that earlier, having friends from time to time, you tell them a sad story and they've got a sadder one. You tell them a tragedy and they've got a worse one. You tell them how bad your day, you think your day was bad. This is, this is the reason that I began reading The Far Side. There's two pirates in a bar. One of them has a peg leg. One of them has a peg head. And the guy with the peg leg says to the guy with the peg head, well, I guess that ain't a bad story, but let me tell you about when I lost this one. Listen, we're not in a competition. We're not trying to outdo the other person. We're not trying to change the subject. Empathize. Empathize with the person. Do you know where true sympathy comes from? It comes from truly loving the other person. So by empathize, we're talking about their pain in your heart. Seek to understand what the other person is going through. Sometimes take some questions. Sometimes take some time. Sometimes it takes emotional energy, and frankly, we don't want to give that emotional energy. But let's learn to empathize. Where appropriate, let's agree with what the other person is saying. Which leads us to our sixth one, and I'm, I'm hurrying through these so we can get them all in, but respond verbally and respond prayerfully to what the other person is saying. Non-verbally is the other word there. Respond verbally and non-verbally to what the other person is saying. Look at the person who's talking to you. True story about a waiter who just seemed to bring joy to his little section of the restaurant. And one fellow was so intrigued by his ability to bring joy to his little section of the restaurant that he said to the waiter one time when he was being waited on, he said, you know, how is it that your section of the restaurant always seems to be filled with happy people? The other sections, maybe, maybe not, but your section always seems to have people with a smile on their face. He said, I learned something. When I first started as a waiter, I just bring people their food and I just put it in front of them, say, bon appetit, and walk away. He said, I noticed, though, that as I place the food in front of my, my patrons, 
often they take a minute, they take just a second, not a minute, they take just a second to glance, glance at me. He said, if I will look them in the eye and with feeling say, bon appetit, it'll bring a smile to their face. So sure enough, this fellow would watch this guy. He'd work his way around his tables and as he brought out the food, he'd just take a second as he set the plate down and the patron took a minute to look at, it took a second to look at his face. He'd look into their eyes and say, bon appetit. And it made all the difference. Now, I don't like to look into people's eyes when I'm having a conversation with them. I don't know what it is. It's just hard for me. But I've learned that there's more feeling, there's more communication when I take time to look into someone's eyes and pay attention to them. Responding both non-verbally, look at them, nod my head when it's appropriate, shake my head when it's... And then responding verbally. If somebody shares something that's very sad with you, that's so sad. That's fine. If somebody's happy, that's great. So happy for you. I, I was challenged some years ago, find ways to tell people congratulations. Find ways to tell people congratulations, to rejoice when they rejoice. The Bible says that we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Now let me remind you, and I'm almost done, God listens to us. And a lot of times, we, what we have to tell God is not even important. And remind yourself, God already knows. He's not listening for understanding. And yet God listens to us. Psalm says, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. O thou that hearest prayer, God listens to us. We can take on this part of God's response to people by simply listening to others. You guys do a great job of loving people. We had several guests here today, and again, I, I have trouble even getting to them to say hello and welcoming them because you're all surrounding them talking to them. Let's keep that up. In addition, let's also make time during the week for coworkers and neighbors, family members, spouses, make time for each other for genuine conversation. Not merely waiting to speak, not trying to win an argument or outdo someone intellectually, merely enjoying the conversation. I know there's going to be a lot of praise in heaven. And they also get the impression there's going to be a lot of conversation in heaven where we're simply talking to each other and talking to God. So let's start that now and be a church of good conversationalists that are swift to hear and slow to speak. Father, thank you again for this evening, for the chance to gather and sing your praises. And it is truly wonderful to be a Christian. It's wonderful to have your grace because without it, we would be self-centered, self-loving, hateful, spiteful, disdainful of others. We're so thankful that your grace is the empowerment for our humility, for our patience, our long-suffering with others, for the ability to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Lord, we love you. You listen to us. We come to you with our complaints and, and by... Your standards are small complaints, but because you're a God who condescends to hear us, you take time to listen, to respond, to comfort, to fill our hearts again with your love, and we thank you. We want to have that same spirit as we talk with others, as we have conversations with others, to listen, to hear what's on their heart, to be understanding, to be empathetic. And Father, we're appropriate to bring gospel truth, Bible truth to their lives. 
I pray for these men and women that are going to go out tomorrow, Tuesday, to a job. They're going to be working with unsaved people. Some of the conversations they can't listen to, much of the conversation they can, give them ears to hear and give them eyes to see the opportunities you open up for them to give the gospel, for them to give Bible truth in these conversations. I pray for the families here, for the fathers to listen to their children, the husbands to listen to their wives, the wives to listen to their husbands and, to their, and the mothers to their children, for the children to listen to the parents and the grandparents. And Lord, that we would be a church that values godly conversations that encourage and edify and build up. Lord, thank you for the love that is at this church, the love that is simply flows out of you through us to others. I pray that you would continue to bless us with your love and continue to make us conduits, channels of your love to others. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.